Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to SaskAg Today. Coming up on today's program, the latest Manitoba crop report is out. We'll hear from James Fry, who is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture based in Roblin. And he will have all the details on how the harvest is going in the northwest part of Manitoba. As you heard yesterday, the governments of Canada and Saskatchewan have announced a record-breaking level of payments under the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation Forage Rainfall Insurance Program. We'll have the acting president and CEO of Saskatchewan Crop Insurance, Jeff Morrow, on today's program. We'll also have our weekly overview of the wheat market with Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. And we'll unveil our winner of week four of the harvest edition of GX94's Supper in the Field. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. The latest Manitoba crop report suggests harvest progress in the province is at 37%, which is ahead of the five-year average of 31%. James Fry is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture based in Roblin, and he focuses on the northwest region of the province. Yeah, we're close behind. We're at about 31% uh, total, so uh, which is uh, pretty good for the first week of September here. We've had uh, some wet weather for some regions over the week, uh, but um, otherwise some very dry regions. We in uh, close to Amaranth region at the weather station there was recorded about four-tenths of an inch or 10.4 mils, uh, but uh, just one-tenth in the paw. Uh, of course, there were some areas that, as always, have received uh, more rain and probably some that received none at all. Uh, what, uh, you know, that has amounted to for the where areas that have got that rain or did get those rains uh, is a, a big push to get that crop off ahead of the moisture. So we saw... Uh, you know, now we're sitting at a, a more or less 100% for winter cereals. Probably the odd field out there, uh, who knows? But um, you know, we've we've see those fully wrapped up. Peas is at about 85%. Wheat is somewhere between 65 and 70% combined. Uh, we could say that there's more towards the south and the east. And uh, wheat harvest has that really just begun over the weekend in the paw. Barley and oats is at about 50%. And canola is just getting going with, you know, we've kind of put it at 1%, which kind of just means we've just kind of cracked the cork on that one. He's also received a few reports on yields. Yeah, yields are actually um, doing well. You know, we we, we saw uh, winter cereal yields were, were quite high, you know, some as, as high as uh, 70 and even 80 bushels, 90 bushels for some from fall rye fields. Wheat uh, is, uh, you know, on the low end, it's probably 
closer to 30 to 40. That would be on light land or on land that really received almost no rain. Um, but kind of more middle of the pack is around 65 to 70 bushels. And some fields as high as 80 to 90 bushels. And the encouraging thing there is that the quality seems to be quite high. It's grading most at number one and number two. And uh, in fact, we've seen some, you know, probably 70% or so is in that excellent to good category. So that's that's encouraging despite the uh, lack of rains. And uh, of course, you know, following wheat harvest, we've also seen quite a lot of baling going on. Uh, so that's uh, good progress. People who have been out late into the evenings or, or early mornings, in fact, to get that done. Fry says some producers in northwest Manitoba may still be desiccating fields. I'm sure that there are some fields that are, for canola, for example, that is only just coming into the, the right crop stage for that. Um, definitely see a lot of uh, tire tracks through fields, uh, swaths laying on the field, and uh, also um, crop dusters that have been in and out. Uh, kind of hear them moving in the, in the distance. So um, desiccation is definitely ongoing. Uh, but I think that most fields um, are beginning to reach quite an advanced maturity, so nearing that harvest phase. So I think we would probably begin to see um, in short order that, that a lot more fields have been combined. And in fact, we have seen the first fields in the Swan area and, and closer to Roblin that have been combined. But like you, like we say, there are still some fields that are uh, green, mostly all potted out, but green and needing desiccation now. As for baling, he says producers are either getting a second cut of hay or baling the straw left behind by the combine. I think both. Uh, it's a good, uh, you know, an easy answer there. Um, there definitely will be some who, you know, with the rains, maybe has cooperated enough that they could take a bit off. But uh, especially with alfalfa, we're in that critical harvest fall period. So we want to make sure that uh, any harvest of alfalfa is going to be after a killing frost so that we don't increase the risk of winter kill. And uh, also just in the livestock page to note that if uh, sorghum or sorghum sudan grass was taken off for forage, uh, producers will see that that's beginning to regrow and the temptation is to put animals out on there. Uh, however, there's the risk of a, a chemical called prussic acid to accumulate in the material there. So her, um, regrowth should wait at, at least until around 24 to 30 inches tall, and that just reduces the risk of prussic acid poisoning, which can be quite serious for livestock. So that's definitely something that producers should keep on their radar. And Fry now wants to see the good weather hold. Hoping for another good dry week, and I think we'll begin to really see those fields clearing off quickly. James Fry is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, based in Roblin. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Priestville Salvage. See them for new and used ag parts. That's Beef and Forage Report. Livestock producers take note, funding is available for seeding forage crops. Kiana Bohr, the Agri-Environmental Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Outlook, has more. If you seeded perennial forage this year, did you know that there is funding available for your seed costs? Under the Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership is the Resilient Agricultural Landscapes Program, or RALP. RALP provides funding to producers who are looking to improve the resiliency of their lands through the adoption of Beneficial Management Practices, or BMPs. 
One of those BMPs is the seeding tame forage rebate. Seeding tame forage plants onto land that was previously annually cropped increases the biodiversity of the landscape, protects the soil from erosion, and provides forage for livestock. The Seeding Tame Forage BMP is a 50-50 cost share program which helps cover the cost of perennial forage seed and establishment of the stand. In addition, there is an option to add pollinator species to the blend or sign an optional five-year land use agreement for additional funding. To see if you have an eligible project, you will need to work with your local AGRA environmental specialist at your nearest regional office. To get in touch with a specialist, call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. For more information, you can also visit our website at www.saskatchewan.ca slash s-cap. This has been Kiana Bohr with Saskatchewan Agriculture out of Outlook. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the AgReview portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. GX94. Agri-Review. A dispute settlement panel called by New Zealand under the Trans-Pacific Partnership or CPTPP Trade Pact has ruled Canada's limits on dairy market access cramp its agreed-upon obligations. But despite the panel's findings in New Zealand's favour, Canada is also framing the panel's ruling as a win as it also generally upholds Canada's ability to set criteria for dairy quota allocations. In a ruling dated yesterday, a three-member CPTPP panel found Canada's policy of reserving priority access to its 16 dairy tariff rate quotas, or TRQs, is inconsistent with its obligations under the 2018 Trade Pact, and that the pooling system Canada has set up in its allocation mechanism operates to limit the opportunity for otherwise eligible applicants to use the TRQs fully. Arguing that a system reserving the vast majority of available TRQ allocations for processors fell short of Canada's CPTPP commitments, New Zealand had called for consultations with Canada under the CPTPP in May last year, then asked for a dispute settlement panel in November. Disappointing monsoon rains in India this year are expected to cut into the country's pulse production, according to reports out of the country. Crop production in India is highly dependent on the monsoon rains that typically soak the country from June through September, but the moisture to date was about 9% off the average through the end of August. Reports out of the country estimate that pulse yields could be down by about 15 to 20%, with seeded area also down by 9% due to the lower moisture levels. Lower yields and the resulting increase in prices should see the Indian government look for measures to ease food inflation, including limiting exports and increasing imports. India's Department of Consumer Affairs is already reportedly in the market tendering for lentils, with an import duty exemption extended until March. While there is still a 50% duty on peas, analysts expect that could be removed as well. 
Total 2023-24 winter crop production in Australia at an estimated 45.2 million metric tons is expected to be 34% off the record highs hit last year, but slightly above the June forecast as upward revisions to canola and barley counter a downward revision to the wheat number. That's according to the latest crop report from the Australian Bureau of Agricultural and Resource Economics and Sciences. Persistent dry conditions in northern growing regions cut into yield prospects, although southern regions received better than expected rainfall, which helped crops there. Total canola production in the country is now forecast at 5.2 million metric tons, which would be up by 300,000 metric tons from the June estimate, but well below the 8.3 million metric tons grown in 2022-23. Barley production is forecast at 10.5 million metric tons, which would be down 26% on the year, and 6% below the 10-year average, but still up from the 9.9 million metric tons forecast in June. Australia's 2023-24 wheat crop is projected to be 25.4 million metric tons, down by 200,000 from the June forecast and 36% lower on the year. The managed money long position in canola edged slightly higher during the weekend at August 29th. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of that date, the net managed money long position in canola futures came in at 13,904 contracts, an increase of about 5,000 contracts from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 281,208 contracts, up by 13,956 from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were holding a net long of about 84,900 contracts in soybeans, down about 30,000 from the previous week. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return right after these messages. We're here. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 182.70 today. That's up 275. December live cattle closed at 186.50, up 235. October feeder cattle closed at 256.47, up 217. November feeder cattle closed at 258.20, up two full cents. October lean hogs closed at 81.87, down 130. December lean hogs closed at 74.45, down 62. And that's the livestock market conditions. The governments of Canada and Saskatchewan have announced a record-breaking level of payments under the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation, or SCIC, Forage Rainfall Insurance Program. Jeff Morrow is the acting president and CEO of SCIC. I think what we saw this year in the forage rainfall insurance program is that we responded to the dry conditions that our ranchers were, were facing. Um, and what we saw is that uh, 90% of the acres that were enrolled in that program program got some level of payment. 
And what that resulted in is is just over sixty million dollars indemnities, which is which is a record for the program since uh, since its inception. He explains how the insurance insurance payments are determined. It is based on weather stations. There's there's 186 weather stations that producers can choose to base their insurance on, and the the claims are driven off of what happens at that weather station, and the program covers or pays makes a claim or makes a payment when the precipitation falls below 80% of normal at that weather station that the producer chose. And there's a number of options that we provide to producers, and all those options have been built uh, working with industry in terms of what's important to them. And some of the things that producers can choose to tailor that coverage is a coverage option, like how much coverage breaker they want. Um, Obviously, they're able to pick the weather station. They're able to pick the weightings too, right? So it goes from April to July. They can pick, based on their grazing setup, what month is the most important for precipitation. Um, They can pick monthly caps of precipitation so that we don't, you know, if there's a high rainfall event, they can cap it at 125 or 150% of normal. So a number of ways for producers to tailor the coverage to to what they need for their, their operation. Morrow says producers usually take more than the basic minimum insurance coverage. You know, when we look at, uh, there's three levels of, of kind of dollar coverage. There's low, medium, and high. And I think, you know, about 60% took the medium, 40% took the high in that range, or 60% were lower medium, and 40% high. So we did see a bit of a, a spread there in terms of, of what producers did pick from. He notes the forage rainfall insurance program has become more popular in recent years. We did see a big increase in 2022, I should say. Um, that was the most we've ever had insured under the program uh, in 2023. It did back off a little bit from the high of, of 2022, but still you know, well over 3 million acres insured under the Ford Rainfall Insurance Program. Morrow notes most of the program participants come from the southwest and west-central parts of Saskatchewan. Yeah, it, it, a large portion of the insured acres is, uh, as you said, in southwest and west-central, approximately 80%. Uh, of the acres are in that zone. That's where the majority of our, you know, native grazing acres are. And not surprisingly, that's where the bulk of the payments went. So that's where the bulk of our insured acres are, but that's also where um, we saw the driest conditions, unfortunately, throughout this growing season. He explains how the payments are related to rainfall amounts at each weather station. For this program, the, the producer doesn't make a claim, all, like I said, based off of what the weather station uh, happened there. So we send the checks out. If they're eligible automatically, there is an appeal process for all of our programs. Um, if the producer wants to go through that, that's available to, to all of our customers. But the claim is based off of what happens at the weather station. But Morrow understands that not every producer is happy with the system of using rainfall numbers from the nearest weather station. Yeah, we, we did hear that loud and clear. And the way we've evolved this program um, over the years has been by working with industry. So. We will be working with the stakeholders in that livestock sector like we have for a number of years. And maybe I'll point to one, you know, a recent enhancement that we made based off of that consultation was after 2021, when we had the heat dome effect, um, we made a change where we precipitation if the daytime temperature reached 31 degrees or more. Um, and that was a, a response to what we saw in 2021. And that did work um, in 2023 where we saw, you know, another $6 million paid out because of that change. So I think what we'll do in, in the case of, 
you know, finding ways to make it more representative of what happened on the ranch, uh, is continue to work with industry to see what uh, we can do to kind of reduce that basis risk, if you will, of, of you know, the, the weather station to, to the land that the producers are insuring. He says installing more weather stations could be an option. I think what we have to do is, is identify the kind of the, the, the biggest gaps, maybe, if you will, and look at what those opportunities are to close those gaps. And if it's weather stations, we're also looking at other, if there's other technology that can help us, that would be longer term um, down the road. Um, but I would say it's not a difficult process, but I think it's important to find out what are the gaps we're trying to cover, work with our stakeholders again to see you know, what improvements should we invest in to make the program more responsive. And Morrow says satellite technology might also be useful. And that's one of the technologies that we're looking at. Right now we aren't using it to you know, settle payments or make claims or anything like that, but it's something that we are um, working working with or working to understand the potential there um, and that may you know hopefully down the road as a technology that can help with that basis risk that I referred to before. Jeff Morrow is the acting president and CEO of the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return in one minute's time. It's Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and 18 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. In futures, we know that the fund position across the three wheat futures markets now has a combined short of 95,000 contracts. The question is, will they add to these shorts? In international markets, contrary to Vladimir Putin's rhetoric over the weekend again, Russia has never exported more wheat than last crop year. And the forecast for Russian exports by USDA is higher again for 22-23. Along the same line of thought, the big surprise sale over the weekend of an additional half a million tons of Russian wheat to Egypt in a private deal versus the usual tender business rattled the markets. The trade will debate the implications to the export business if GASC does steer away from public tenders and towards more private deals. In terms of cash trades last week, there was some interesting activity over the past weekend. Last week, Egypt bought two French cargoes of wheat at 279.50 for 1st half October and two Romanian wheat cargoes at 275.75 for October 23. Then, following last week's official tender, GASC bought another 60,000 tons of Bulgarian wheat and the reported 480,000 tons of Russian wheat in private deals over the weekend, all at 270 per ton CNF. In other business, Algeria bought between 550 and 600,000 tons of Durham wheat at 465 to 490 CNF with shipments between October through December. Mexico and Turkey are thought to be the main origins with a small share of Canadian Durham included. And Tunisia bought 100,000 tons of Durham as well, ranging in price from 426 to 432 CNF for September through October shipment. And U.S. export sales were 344,000 tons, which was at the low end of expectations. 
to take the season total to 7.5 million tons compared to 9.8 million last year. So that's still down 29%. So now we have some comments on the markets by major wheat origin, starting with Canada. So the Saskatchewan spring wheat crop was 26% harvested late last week, and Alberta spring wheat was 19% harvested. Yields remain quite variable. U.S. hard red spring as of September 1st was more than 60% harvested. Back in Canada, Statistics Canada packed the Canadian spring wheat production at 22.1 million tons, which is also quite a bit lower than our own number or the trade estimates at 23 to 23.5 million tons. The STC average yield works to 41.7 bushel per acre. We think it remains to be seen where the final production numbers end up. And also in the report, StatScan changed the 2022 spring wheat production number down uh, with a 165 upward adjustment to 25.8 million tons for 2022. We note that the international markets took very little notice of the lower Canadian production numbers and the report did really nothing so far to change the overall bearish sentiment of the week. There still is supply pressure in the market by EU sellers and by Black Sea suppliers, and this year's Russian crops only keeps getting bigger and bigger. In terms of exports, Canadian exports in week 4 at 344,000 tonnes advanced year-to-day wheat exports to 1.2 million tons, which is better than last year's at this time. Moving to Durham, about 48% of Saskatchewan Durham was reported harvested late last week, though Alberta Ag did not specify the harvest progress for Durham. The Stats Canada numbers for Durham stated a 4.26 million ton production, which happens to coincide with our estimate. This reflects a 25.9 bushel per, average, bushel per acre average yield. But here also we will have to see if the final harvest numbers bear out the production and yield numbers. Of additional note, with the StatScan numbers was a 346,000 upward adjustment in the 2022 Durham production to 5.8 million tons to accommodate last year's production export pace. We think the 23-24 Canadian production is about 26% smaller than last year's and supply is about 24% smaller. It shows why we think that export might have to be rationed somewhat later this crop year. We are using a 3.8 million ton export number for this coming year, for the new year, um, based on the production estimate mentioned earlier. This particular scenario could leave a tight 300,000 ton, uh, 300, ton carry out. We have been asked why prices haven't shot up more towards the level seen in 2021. Well, we think there are several reasons. First, overall cereal prices are lower than at that time, and the crop is not quite as tight as it was in 21, either in the US or in Canada. We also think there are fewer shorts out there than there were in 21, especially in the US. And European buyers were very proactive once they realized there was a quality problem. They were quick to take advantage of Durham offers from Turkey. 
and the EU, mainly Italy, will take at least half a million tons from Turkey this year, probably more. And some of these purchases are already en route to Italy. There are also potential volumes available by Russia and Kazakhstan for October-November shipment as well. So this means for now there has been lower priced competition and many of the EU buyers could be fairly well covered into the fall position. However, then we believe European buyers will need to add to their purchases later in the winter. In addition to EU markets, we also have North African buyers. Following the StatScan report, Algeria was exploring purchases for the fall and tendered for Durham last Thursday. Tunisia also tendered for 75,000 tons for early fall shipment. Algeria ended up buying 550 to 600,000 tons for October through December delivery at an average price working back to about 1482 delivered elevator Saskatchewan. There was a fairly wide price range working um, back to about 1435 to 1529 per bushel. Much of the Durham sold is uh, thought to come from Mexico and Turkey, with a small portion of Canadian origin as well. Tunisia also bought 100,000 tons at a cheaper price. Bits in Saskatchewan still range from 14 to 14.75, which weakened a little bit along with bits from other cereals last week. We still expect that prices could well improve once the harvest pressure from Turkey and by Black Sea exporters passes and when additional good quality Durham is needed in the EU. Durham exports for week 4 were at 45,000 tons for a year-to-date total of 148,000 compared to 134 last year to date. Moving on to the United States. All US wheat futures were down last week as mentioned and the fund positions across the three wheat futures market is now a combined short of 95,000 contracts. US export sales were relatively small at the low end of expectations and the season total is still down 23% on last year. That's Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. It's time now for the Commodities Update and that's a presentation of Ducks Unlimited Canada. Ducks is offering a new winter wheat program package that will help with your crop's yield and water retention. The winter cereal program package comes with agronomic advice from seeding to harvest and more. With I4. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at 7.9520, down $2.30. January canola closed at 802.60, down $2.10. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 7.82 and a half, up 20 and a quarter cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at 7.49 and a half, up 25 cents. December Chicago wheat closed at 6.09 per bushel, up nine and three quarters of a cent. December corn closed at 4.85 and three quarters, down a quarter of a cent. November soybeans closed at 13.76 and a quarter, up 11 and a quarter cents. 
December oats closed at 498 and three quarters, up 11 and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. We'll announce our GX94 Supper in the Field winner next. Four. Welcome back to Saskank Today. It's week four of the harvest edition of GX94 Supper in the Field. We'll be bringing out supper for eight weeks this fall. We had 336 entries yesterday, and I called our lucky winner this morning. Top of the morning. Good morning. Is this the number for LTS Grain Farms? That sure is. Okay. Who am I speaking with? You're speaking with Larry. Hey, Larry, it's Doug Falconer calling from GX94 Radio in Yorkton. How are you today? <laughs> I'm very well, sir. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm doing fine. Do you know why I'm calling you this morning? Well, it kind of sounds to me like some kind of lunch coming around the corner. Well, maybe not lunch, but maybe <laughs> supper, if that's all right. We drew your name for supper in the field. Oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be around tonight? We could bring you out some supper? Yeah, we'll probably be in the field, Doug. Larry Shabatoski farms in the Camsack area. Our sponsors for GX94 Supper in the Field are Milligan Bio, Jump.ca, Maple Ag and Outdoor, Farm Credit Canada, Gowan Canada, Sask Milk, LDC, Smith Steel, Minute Muffler and Brake, Yorkton Auction Centre, the Saskatchewan Institute of Agrologists, the Chalet Restaurant, and Razor's Cellar at the Yorkton Hotel. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today, Mainly sunny, winds south-southeast at 20 to 35, gusting higher at times, and a high of 22 degrees. For tonight, mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of showers, winds south at 10 to 20, and a low of 13. For tomorrow, mainly cloudy with a 60% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms, winds south-southwest at 15 to 25, a high of 23, an overnight low of 8. For Friday, mainly sunny, winds northwest at 10 to 20, and a high of 20. For Saturday, partly sunny, a high of 20, and Sunday, partly sunny, also a high of 20. In the Paw, it's 16 degrees, Swan River 19, Dauphin 18, Brandon, Show Lake Russell, and Roblin 17. Regina and Indian Header at 21 degrees. Saskatoon, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 18. Hudson Bay, 17. The Yorkton, Melville region has a sunny sky. A south wind at 24, gusting to 37 kilometers an hour. 50% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 18 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag Today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. 
Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.